This is Connor Crace, and you're listening to Multiple Eargasms with Kaylee Loring. I mean, I don't know why, she's an asshole, but she's talking to some pretty cool people from the romance audiobook community, so stick around for more than one eargasm. You deserve it. My guest today is the hugely talented voice actor Connor Crace, who kind of burst onto the romance audio scene about a year and a half ago. As of August 7th, 2021, he already has 112 titles listed on Audible, so he's been very busy recording romance audiobooks for your eargasming pleasure. You get to hear me make Connor really uncomfortable because I say a bunch of nice things about him, and it's basically the only time I've ever done that, so you're welcome, listeners. You also get to hear him do a bunch of accents, and after the interview, after you've heard me laugh 5,000 times while Connor does his best to keep his cool, you will hear two bonus recordings of Connor being sexy and hilarious. And here is a disclaimer. You know I hate being wrong about anything, and I made a mistake in my conversation here. Later on in our chat, Connor and I talk about the movie Cars 3, and I said that the screenwriter of that movie, which is awful, is one of the highest paid, most successful screenwriters in Hollywood. Well, I just looked it up, and the screenwriter I was thinking of actually wrote the first Cars movie, which was wonderful, and that is why that person is still an incredibly successful screenwriter, and I am now doing this. Also, at the end of this episode, you're going to hear the Hollaback segment, where narrators Teddy Hamilton and Emma Wilder answer listeners' questions based on episode one of Multiple Eargasms with Kaylee Loring. But first, Connor Crace. All right. (laughs) Ready to rock and roll. Are you? I mean, we'll see, I guess. Okay, well, I'm recording, so... (laughs) Let's do this. Said that like be entertaining. Be no, entertaining I. Right yeah, no, I'm okay. So thank you for uh, for taking a break from doing your reps to talk with me tonight, Connor <laughs> Crace. Or are you doing? You're bicep, Are you doing bicep curls right now? Uh, no, I I took a break for you and your Thanks. show. Well, because I'm I'm doing my kegels, so you could have Jesus. multitasked. Jesus. <laughs> no. Well, maybe I am too. <laughs> right? Do guys, guys have kegels, right? Guys have kegels. Okay. Yeah. They can has kegels. Um, so anyway, welcome to Multiple Eargasms with Kaylee <laughs> So being someone that I have infinite respect for, when this podcast was coming together like two weeks ago or something, I texted you for your opinion on possible names for this show because my producer mm-hmm. jock wanted to call it audio whoring with kaylee loring which was very clever yep. but you were like no you you gave it the big daddy yeah thumbs down. I, I uh i put my body in front of that being like <laughs> no that's too much and you which, ended up with multiple eargasms so it was all kind of for nothing it wasn't so. for so it was it, that's all part of our creative process because you offered up audio adoring with Kaylee Loring, which I liked a lot. And at one point, I came up with audio fellatio, F I L L A T I O, Kaylee Loring, and you suggested that my podcast persona name could be Kaylee Loratio, to which I responded, uh, and I could wear my Fortin bra, which is a Hamlet joke 
that maybe two listeners yeah. will get. We'll see. Yeah. But that's yeah. the kind Shakespeare of very jokes really play. erudite yeah. humor that yeah. we engage in. Um, and then and then the other day I came up with another one, though, like it was um, assholes in your ear holes with Kaylee Loring. <laughs> yeah, it was it was around that point where I realized um, you were just entertaining yourself and not. looking. I have no idea what you're talking about. So because this this episode is going to be called two assholes in a pod. Nice. You like. Nice. Yeah, no, that's good. I like that. Okay. Because, uh, anyways, you were also kind enough to record three different intros for me for this show. I did. Along with bonus material. Yeah, you're really putting me through the paces here. Well, I mean, you have earned this. <laughs> the, the, earn the, this. The, pod, the, the podcast appearance? That's what I have to earn? Yeah, or just, you know, the, the joy of knowing me. <laughs> yeah, um, it does require which... work. Right. It which... really does. Hey, you got to put so, in the work. So you and I have known each other virtually since mm -hmm. late last year. Mm -hmm. And I know it feels like an eternity for both of us. But I found out about you last summer. So I'd heard you on a couple of podcasts. And when I heard you on Kim and Mo show, I had a hormonal meltdown because <laughs> you sounded to me like a Kaylee Loring hero. But like at the end of my books, when he's happily married with little kids in the epilogue it's yeah and yeah and i immediately emailed mo and i was like i must have him and this was in august last year i think so it was like about a year ago and i didn't have a title or much of a story yet uh i just knew i wanted you and mackenzie cartwright for a steamy christmas rom-com so i booked you and then i started being mildly sassy to you on social media but like just a smidge just a smidge yeah and you were probably like who is this asshole because all the other no, authors I mean, you've been I mean, working with were probably I, professional i think i got it pretty quick because i feel like i'm the same way you know like we 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 recognized it. it's like oh you're one too huh yeah, <laughs> right. cool wink yeah yeah but then yeah. so I then mean, yeah. Oh, sorry. I don't mean, no, no. Go on with your, with your bio, with the origin story. You're going to have big epic music behind this, right? I, well, I actually song. have an app that goes like, I'm just waiting for the right time to use it. I'm waiting for okay. you to actually be funny. Mm. Um, mm. How much am I being paid for this? Night. And How then much? you finally recorded A Very Bossy Christmas in November. And you were like, this asshole is actually a funny writer. And you emailed mm -hmm. me to compliment my writing, which was very surprising to me and unexpected. And, and so you basically you can't haven't share with people that I'm nice to you. You can't well, do that. It was, that was a private in, email where I'm nice to you. It was, I didn't want that shit. I never said, okay. In the very first email, you were kind of nice to me. That's the origin story. And then as soon as I responded, <laughs> we established this dynamic. But so you basically, yeah, you basically haven't stopped online stalking me since. Would you say that's accurate? <laughs> I have stopped or started. <laughs> you haven't stopped online stalking me since. Yeah, yeah, I'm the problem. You're totally right, Kaylee. It's all me. Yep. No, you have nothing to do with it. Nothing at all. So, well, some of our mutual fans are actually entertained by our 
ridiculous dynamic, which uh, good. I, hope I, so. I swear you started it and I was like, okay, let's, let's do this. Uh, now and now we're stuck with it. Yeah. May, maybe that's maybe. how it went. Maybe. Um, but, uh, but in real life, we're kind of friends and the, the frenemies thing is definitely a part of it. But, uh, I have to say that you've made me laugh more than anyone I've ever known in my life. Wow. You see that? I'm saying a nice thing to you in public. Yeah, that's and really it's, nice. it's a high compliment because I've known yeah. a lot of professional funny Huge. people. So thank you for that. And uh, you're I've, welcome. I've finally <laughs> met my match when it comes to text banter. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes it feels like I'm texting with like a banter app because you're so quick witted. Uh, and it kind of pisses me off that you're there's a, there's a team of computers. Yeah, it's just AI. It's just algorithms. It's IBM's Watson, but his like sassy counterpart. <laughs> you really want to call yourself sassy? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sassy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I guess what I want to know is like who did you use to try to aggravate for your own entertainment on a daily basis before oh, I came along? Oh man. Pretty much everybody. Really? I mean, that's your thing that's your deal yeah 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 i've i mean i as i've grown up i've <laughs> become you know more of a responsible adult but i i get it from my grandfather he would love lobbing really? grenades and be kind of a troublemaker um so really? I, I think i come from a long line yeah of assholes yeah i mean hopefully all in good fun i never i i don't really uh I don't make fun of people if they're upset about something. And I don't, uh, I try my best to not talk about people behind their back or I, I don't say anything that I wouldn't say to the person. That's what I try and live by. Yeah. So, okay. But, sure. But it's easier because I say a lot of things to people's faces that maybe I shouldn't. So yeah, it's a little bit easier. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you're, you're exceptionally good at, at that. I just want people to know that Connor Grace is winning at life. And I've told you this, I'm planning to organize a parade in your honor to celebrate you as the greatest man alive, because you are not only a fantastic voice actor, husband and father, texter and emailer, employer of great words sometimes, uh, and I'm sure you're a great friend to other people besides me, but you're always like building things and mowing the lawn of your massive property with your tractor mower thing, which you also can change the battery of all by yourself. This is making me uncomfortable. When's, when's this going to turn? When it... You're waiting for me to be a dick to you. Yeah, yeah. Not... This is wildly uncomfortable. No, being... I'm going to keep going. And then you enjoy the fruits of your labor out on your enormous deck that overlooks your estate, right? While drinking coffee or bourbon, something to that effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so the parade will be held in early fall so that it's not too hot, but warm enough Wonderful. for you to wear your signature white ribbed tank top and gray sweatpants for the ladies. Okay, um, okay. And it's gonna be more of a roast probably, um, I was going to say, so if I'm in the, per it's just me walking well, along no, the street? No, you and I are both going to be on a float and I'm going to make okay. fun of you. I'm going to have a mic and I'm going to make fun of you for like half an hour. 
And then we'll have a dance off and do drunk karaoke. And that's it. Okay. I would crush a good time had by on. I would crush you. We'll see. But yeah, you yeah. probably you studied like classical Shakespeare dancing in college or something, right? Yeah, like, that's a thing. That's like totally to, a thing. How to dance yeah. or how to prance around in tights on stage or something. Yep. That's a thing. Totally. Yep. <laughs> yep. MFA. Yep. How to crush maypole dancing. <laughs> oh man. Chicks dig maypole. Yeah. They, they dig your pole, I bet. Um, what? So you're waiting for me to ask questions. So, so I guess I don't, I mean, this is your podcast. It's just you <laughs> it's rambling, just me saying uh, stuff. Uh, a long litany of really nice things about me, I guess. I know. I'm just. Is I this mean, what you did for Mac? Is this, is this what you did for her? You know what Mac Attack did was she turned the tables on me almost immediately and she just started interviewing me. And so Perfect. it's like half an hour of me talking about being a writer. Brilliant. But so. So let's start from the very beginning. So like you're such you're like such a manly man, sir. And you have What am I what are you doing to me? What, uh, what Okay, uh... but I'm I'm getting to a real question. Okay, okay. You have this a sweet little toddler boy now, and I'm just I'm very curious as to what you were like when you were a little kid. Like I know you love to watch cartoons, but were you ever just like a boy or were you born with a really deep voice and pecs? <laughs> uh i i was a boy i didn't come out that way um yes i i went through puberty like most people when you were um, like three <laughs> i i did i did hit puberty fairly early i think it was like fourth or fifth grade wow yeah yeah it was pretty early um gosh uh but i was i was a mixture i was a pretty silly kid but i was always yeah. uh my my wife saw a video of me i was dressed as a ninja like a ninja turtle or an actual ninja? i looked maybe okay no no an actual a real ninja like okay. attention to historic japanese detail i don't know sure. I, I was wearing black i wasn't a turtle okay um so and i was in the corner and i my i must have been i don't know five maybe maybe six i don't know but my hands were like completely straight and I was going so slow. I was like, I was like in it, like really in it. Not like a what, you know, like just waving my hands back and forth. Like I was focused and I was slow and I was, I, yeah, I was you in were it. actually so, like sneaking up on someone uh, in my mind. Yeah, I clearly wow. was. Um, and so my wife saw that and she's like, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, so my my daughter's starting to get that of the of the serious play um which is probably why like just I really do. getting into character yeah yeah yeah. i mean what we end up doing i guess as professional storytellers is serious play like it's play that that's taken to its logical extreme where we're performing it for other people we take it so seriously that somebody else might be interested in watching it or listening to it so gosh when you put it that way um so you were were you funny when you were a kid uh yeah yeah i uh i got kind of bored with school and so i would base my day uh, on how many people i made laugh um so really? i'd have like i wouldn't have sets necessarily like i didn't i wasn't aware like of that bits. being a thing like a stand-up <laughs> comic but i yeah. did have like material and like oh and the teacher does this like you know um making particular people <laughs> laugh 
I had a girl who snorted, snort laughed. So yes. I would count the snorts. Uh, wow. Mm -hmm. So, but like, are we talking fart jokes or? Uh, no, this is middle school. I have better material than that. I couldn't give you an example, but. Um... I don't think material gets any better than fart jokes, but whatever, you know. Well, there's higher levels of fart jokes. I mean, yeah. just farting alone is funny. Um, my I mean, my son so. farting and cracking up is, yes, it's it's brilliant. But I was actually going to ask if your kids are old enough for fart jokes, but they're like literally in the farting stage where farting is funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's okay. like a it's like a tower. You know, they're at the base level. It's like it's still <laughs> in the funny fart tower, but they'll go up the stairs and they'll be more sophisticated. <laughs> Like, They're the ground floor of the uh, fart tower. Okay. Uh, who is the stand-up comic? Uh, he used to do Dimitri Martin. He would do flip I love, charts. I love Dimitri Martin. He's, uh, when he's like, how, how, how much I find funny farts by location. He had a he's like, <laughs> he's like uh, you'll notice uh, uh, school's funny. Church is funnier. Uh, <laughs> my face, not funny at all. That's negative. My brother's face is off the charts, though. Off the charts. Um, yeah. So. So Dimitri Martin is doing fart jokes at a much higher level than my children. He is. Right okay. I want to recognize Dimitri Martin for his work. I do too. I'm so glad you brought him up because he's um, one of my one of my top five favorite. Do you know him? Comics. Every time I, I bring actually... somebody up, we're like, I I was at a party and he was really. Into <laughs> I me. actually never. Um, yeah, that makes me sound like the exact kind of asshole that I am. But um, no, I actually never. I've never met him hmm. i just i just uh i purely adore him as a an actual fan but of course if i ever did meet him i would not fangirl him i would probably be a little shit to him like i am to everyone else. i know how you work now <laughs> i know you well enough I know yeah i know to me so but were you ever awkward oh yeah 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 i wasn't cool no i wasn't cool at all ever no. or are we talking about when you were five or six well no, I wouldn't say I was ever cool. Um, I've always been supremely cantankerous. <laughs> I just didn't listen to anybody ever. Um, and that's only gotten worse as I've gotten older. I know it's supposed to go the other way where it's like, yeah, the older I've gotten, I realized how little I know. And I'm, I'm sorry, it's gone the other way. It's like, man, nobody knows what they're doing ever, apparently. <laughs> I walk around, I go, I assumed you were all experts at doing because you guys spent so much doing, time doing this. And nobody knows what they're doing no. okay so unfortunately it really has gone the other way <laughs> but you were like you were a baby curmudgeon that's what you're telling oh me yeah yeah definitely, definitely. <laughs> yes. Yes. i love that yeah um well i guess i'm really curious to know what you're like in high school though like i know you love football but did you play team sports were, were you athletic back then um i was uh Hey, get your get your sound effect ready. You have your sound effect ready? I'm ready. I uh, wish I was more industrious in high school. I really didn't do anything except my girlfriend. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Feels good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was I wouldn't my say that felt good, question. but it was appropriate. <laughs> well, I have a couple more sound effects up my sleeve, so we'll see what happens. Excellent. Well, then surprise me. Yep. Um, so, but you um, have. I've like, always been a lifter. I have always lifted. Um, even in high school. Yeah. I. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, that's early high school. Yeah. Is that 
something you actually did in in gym or you just did that on your own no my my dad always did it so really? uh, we had a home gym we always had home equipment so i started fairly early and that's just always been a part of my life honestly huh yeah um okay but you never actually played football you're just super into it uh no i never played football and sometimes i regret that and sometimes with all the concussion stuff that comes out i'm like maybe that's for the best yeah i mean you have to protect you have this like giant nerd brain that again i'm very respectful of i'm sorry if that makes you uncomfortable but did you excel at school and classes like did you actually um uh, yes and no uh i didn't apply myself fully that's for sure um the the point was kind of lost on me. Uh, do you know about the marshmallow test? I don't know about the marshmallow. So test. the, uh, the marshmallow test is a, it was, I don't know, uh, what psychologist gave it out, but they would do, they would run this experiment where, um, they would test these five-year-olds if they could hold off eating a marshmallow that was in front of them mm. for, uh, I don't know if it's three minutes or five minutes, they could get a second marshmallow. <laughs> and, the the kids who would who would complete the test there were there were a lot of interesting findings from it some were uh the kids would employ strategies the kids that were most successful would employ strategies like talking to themselves or doing other things or playing yeah. games um and some kids just failed immediately the the marshmallow went straight into their mouth the minute the, the adult left and okay. what's crazy is that there's a lot of predictive quality at five years old, this marshmallow test on ho how well these kids do in school and on the SATs and mm. in what colleges they get into. Okay. So there's a certain element to me where when I was in school, I was like, there's information that kids need to have as they go through school. But mm -hmm. is this just one big, long marshmallow test mm -hmm. where it's like, how long can you not have fun for these many hours a day? And the kids who are good at not having fun at all do the best. Um, and so a lot of school was easy for me, but I wasn't, I didn't have any direction as far as like, what are, what are we doing here? And then I didn't really have like a school that I wanted to get into. And so it took me a lot longer to figure out what I was doing and why, um, which I have a very, very clear sense of now, but that took me a lot longer. So you didn't, you didn't know if you wanted the marshmallow is basically what you're telling me. <laughs> no, I didn't know. I was like, no, uh, yeah, I guess. Yes. I was like, sometimes I want the marshmallow and sometimes I don't. So if I don't want the marshmallow, if I don't care about it, then I'm not doing the test. I don't like, I'll just eat this one and it's fine. If I get a B or whatever, that's totally fine. Who cares? So the, the point was a little lost on me. I also, I was also not one of those people like, <laughs> yeah, right, All right. That was almost appropriate. <laughs> almost. It was like 90, 96% there. Yeah. Um, well, but also successfully though, I have no idea what I was about to say. So. <laughs> okay. Well then let's just talk about you grew up in New England. And you yep. said that the Boston accent that you did so well in Boston, Boston Christmas and Friendly Valentine's Day was your original accent. And I'm wondering how you lost 
that accent? Did it just happen over time once you left New England, or did you train yourself to lose it when you were studying acting? Um, well, one, my my accent was not that thick. Um, okay. I definitely had an accent. There were fewer ahs everywhere, and I said, um, I went to the rum, like it's in the rum. Um, okay. So stuff like that. So I definitely had an accent. It was not as thick as I put on in that book. Right. But uh, yeah, it was it was a purposeful decision in grad school to uh, lose it. So. But did you just like make a decision and do that on your own, or is that something that you had to be like trained to lose? Did was that from like a voice acting class or whatever you call it, like? Yeah, I worked I worked with a really fantastic voice teacher in grad school. She was the the reason I went to that school. And um it wasn't she didn't pressure me to do it and it wasn't like, okay, I'm getting rid of this thing. And like I made it, you know, my mission and my goal. It's like I just kind of lost those sounds when I recognized them, you know? Okay. Um, So it wasn't I know for some people it's a really like um my my voice teacher in undergrad who told me to go study with Susan. Mm -hmm. She was from New England and had a super thick Boston accent. Mm -hmm. And it was a real big deal when she came home to her family and she's like, I'm going to practice not doing this accent. They're like, who the fuck are you? You know, like kind of deal. (laughs) Um, And I never, there was none of that. There wasn't really any, you know, I don't, I don't even know if anybody really noticed, you know, okay, Um, because it wasn't that thick. but yeah, and and also wasn't that hard for me. Um, there was no like emotional like, am I losing who I am kind of deal. Like whatever, uh-huh. um, you know. Because if, if I wanted to keep it, I would I would have kept it. You know. Right. Went, okay. So, like, but, oh, I, I like playing with this sound more than that sound. Um, so. But it so it's not like um, in your voice acting classes, or you just call it voice classes. Yes. Um, are you not sort of taught to have kind of a neutral? accent the way like people in the media are or that's is that just something that happened well uh are you talking now or then um well whenever you were in it i mean then there was the the transatlantic and then the general american um Mm. but the whole point of it was i mean when I, i i've taught voice a few times and the whole point of it is it's like having particular paint colors it's like you don't need to use those paint colors Mm -hmm. but you should be able to do it you know picasso was able to paint in any style he wanted to when he painted what he painted that was on purpose right so i think that's the point of when you uh it's not about getting rid of an accent it's about Mm -hmm. not having it when you don't want it when it doesn't tell the story you want to tell okay um that's the whole point and and being able to to take on some a different kind of sound if that tells the story you want to tell better right so so yeah it's it's way it's way more about control over the instrument and having more more things to paint with okay i like that um yeah you're very good at well where's the sound effect now for that metaphors that's just me going hmm (laughs) so interesting um so you studied acting and shakespeare in grad school right you said that you studied and when you were undergrad too, but you studied. Um, I was a before. theater major in undergrad. Oh, you were. Um, well, I started in computer science, and then I switched okay. to theater. So you really were. Nervous. So, what was it that led you to make that switch? It's way more girls in theater. 
Um, it's way more fun. Yeah. I mean, for better or worse, it's like, I'm 18. It's like, in what universe was I going? Like, what criteria did I have? It's like, so wait, if these are both options now at the time, I didn't realize like, I'm a pretty good businessman now, but at the time I'm like, so if these are both options and adults are telling me like, yeah, you get to choose and like follow your passion. It's like, well, this is way more fun than sitting at a computer, you know, like, so if those are both options then I guess I'll do this one. And then it's later on. It's like, well, this is stupid. This is not a career. Like nobody can make a living at this. This is crazy. This is miserable. But it's like, you know, you're 18 and it's like all the shows are free and you don't have to make any money. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) But you actually, you started doing voiceover work pretty soon after graduating, right? Uh, I started doing voiceover after graduating uh, um, grad school. Okay. So, but I went to grad school straight out of undergrad. Right. Um, Because I I feel like I didn't have like train like my school was really good i did a ton of plays um in undergrad but i didn't really have any formal training so i was like i'll just go into grad school and get the training that i want and i'm glad i went there as far as the voice work goes because Mm -hmm. that's what i do and i think i was good at and and she really molded me so Mm -hmm. um but did you did someone that you knew were they like already working in voiceover like how do you get into that no uh i went online and there was a website that you got a free month of like it was one of the pay to play sites which are um not well looked upon by the voiceover community as a whole which of course i didn't know at the time because i didn't know anybody um and one job begat another and Mm -hmm. begat another and then I had this regular gig where I was doing a lot of company benefits um, with a company out of California mm-hmm. and I, and I, and I was making a living and then I was making a really good living. And, and so it just kind of snowballed from there, but it's been a very strange experience because I haven't had mentors. Right. I haven't had really any. Um, I've just kind of figured it out. Um, but it's been very strange actually in that way. Well, that's kind of true for me as a writer, to be honest. I always wished yeah. I had mentors, but I really did not. Um, but what I want to know is, though, like, how did you learn the technical aspect of doing voiceover work at home? Like, there's a lot of sound engineering stuff involved, and you have a really fancy setup now. Well, uh, I wouldn't say, I mean, I'm certainly no sound engineer. That's not a title I would give myself. Right. Uh, I know enough to produce a quality sound. And that's just, it's the same process that I employ in life. I go, well, where are the problem areas? Where are the things that I know? Where are the areas that I don't? What can I improve? Uh, What are the issues? What don't I know? What do I know? What do I know that I'm not doing well that I can improve? And you just apply that over and over and over again. And eventually you're where you want to be. Okay. But for when you realize what you don't know, then how do you... Well, I mean, I also, I mean, I say I have no mentors, but I also, I'm not doing this in 1977. Like I have the internet. Um, right. That's huge, you know? And so while I don't personally have a mentor, the information is accessible to me in a way that it, it wasn't even 20 years ago. Um, there's, there's so much information that I have access to that I don't need to seek out someone in particular or, or, or go to a particular sound engineering school it's it's simply out there 
Well, I, I find it all very interesting. And I just, I want people to understand how much is involved in the narration of an audiobook when the narrator is working at home, especially without an engineer, because you're acting and you're doing this tech stuff. And like, it's more than just hitting your marks as a stage or film actor, right? Like you, there's machine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's been uh, one of the strangest things that I'm still figuring out. Um, and it's been so, it's been so fast uh, how much I've done in, in this world. Yeah. I'm so busy that, I, you know, sometimes I wish I could take a step back and be like, okay, because I, I, like anything, I figured out a ton of stuff on the fly. And there's no, there's no real rules for any of this. Um, when I've listened to some guys, they err on the side of narrator, and some guys err on the side of just being a guy, you know? Right. Um, and how much acting to put into a book mm -hmm. um, is a real question that I have, because I don't want a choice that I make to overwhelm telling the author's story. Mm -hmm. um, like your your books in particular, and one of the reasons I like doing them so much, because of your background. I mean, they are they are made to be read aloud. Mm -hmm. um, they feel that way. There, there's an ease to them. Um, I don't know if you feel this way, but there's stuff that gets unlocked um, in in your work through the audio and somebody performing it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I yeah. expect that to happen. Yeah, I I can you you can tell when you write it that it's like you know somebody will speak this aloud yeah um which is not i i don't feel that's the case with every author um no i doubt it uh, i i can't i can't actually say that because no none of them have told me that um although a couple of authors have been like yeah i just don't i don't care about the i'm not a big audio person or whatever mm -hmm. and that that's fine um but in no in those situations it's like you you give us license to be to make whatever choices we yeah. want um yeah. and that's great but in other standpoints, it's like, it's me, it's alone. I'm also kind, I'm also the director. Yeah. I'm an actor, producer, director. I'm all the hats except for the writer. Yeah. Um, and so when I do it, I go like, well, I don't want to make a choice that, that gets in the way. You know what I mean? For mm -hmm. some books, that's just like, maybe straighter, just reading it is better. Um, hmm. And so that's, that's a line that I'm always like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't know. But, but yeah. That's always, that's always, that's something that I'm still playing. I mean, there, every time I, I step in here, there's always something I'm working on being like, okay, where, what do I want to do today? Um, but to so do you make that decision of whether you're going to read it or perform it while you're like just reading the book while you're in prep? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I wouldn't say it's so much conscious of like, okay. this is a narration book right. and like, <laughs> this is an acting book, you know, like I don't mark them <laughs> with like a, well, blue is for acting and green is for narration. Um, it's more, it's more the feeling of the book. Um, and, and even, I mean, I've read only a few third person, uh, romance books and even yeah. they have the personality. Like I learned that very early people were, I, somebody told me, it's like, no, just read it as the hero. Just hmm. don't. Cause I was like, oh, do you, do you flip into narration because it's third person? But even most authors write the third person narration as yeah, yeah, yeah. the energy of There's the person. There's an author's voice. So, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but nobody, you know, I, again, I probably should have taken a class. I haven't had time for that. But, I, you know, you figure this stuff out. You go, well, what do, what do people like? What are people listening to? <clears throat> um, yeah. And what are people responding to? You know, 
it's a very lovely, responsive, nice community. That's like, we really like that, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, so funny business is the fourth audiobook of mine that you've appeared in, although it's the fewest total recorded minutes that you've done for me, but you read like five or six characters, I think. And we'll, we'll talk about the accents in a minute, but you also, I want to say you really helped to inspire me. This is going to make you uncomfortable again, because I'm going to say something nice, but you really helped to inspire me with the comedy bits just because we were talking when I was in the early stages of the manuscript and I was struggling with finding the voice for Owen Brody's stand-up, and you asked if I'd seen this old HBO special called Talking Funny, which was Ricky Gervais and Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock and Louis C.K., like just talking about stand-up and dissecting each other's acts. And you sent it to me and it, it helped me and it inspired me more than anything else. And, uh, and I loved it and I watched it three times. So thank you for that. Awesome. Um, and you also- I will say, uh, sorry to interrupt, but uh, yeah. when you asked me about a kid and about being funny, like that was my music. Like some kids are all about like bands and music, like like great stand-up comics and like the construction. That's always fascinated me. Um, really? So well, yeah, so who cool did you? But who did you like when you were a kid? I'm trying to think. Um, I saw George Carlin live. <gasps> really? Um, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, in New Hampshire. Um, so his, his opening joke was like, "I've played concerts and I've played." you know opera halls and i play this and every once in a while i play a fucking hockey rink um, <laughs> that's where it was so wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome that's really cool um so that's the only one you can remember um, well the the problem is i can't i'm trying to remember who was working you know like dimitri martin that was college i'm trying to remember back to middle school who the people were um <laughs> You know, it's all Comedy Central. So, like that Dana Carvey special was nonstop on Comedy Central for Dana Carvey's years. so cute. Yeah, yeah. Daddy, does God have feet? Oh, <laughs> the cuteness. Ah. Which now, as a father, I understand now that he yeah. did that joke. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you have to. Do you have Netflix now? Because the last time I, I brought literally, this up, I literally just got it. Stole the password from a friend tonight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow, that's. I don't know if that's baller or ghetto, but that's something. But Whatever. You so, are you gonna watch the um, riding in cars with comedians and coffee, or whatever I told you to watch? You have to watch that because the one that he does with Carvey is so cute. Yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah, I've been, I've really enjoyed uh, uh, late Dana Carvey doing interviews. Uh, there was a special about his his, his disastrous uh, comedy show. Have you seen that one? No. Um, he had, what was the name of it? The writers on it were, uh, no, it was like a variety show. Uh, Louis CK was like the executive producer oh, okay. it had, uh, Steve Carell, uh, Stephen Colbert. Um, who else was on there? Um, but they were all, they were all nobodies at the time. Oh. Um, but the network was like, yeah, just do what you want. Cause they were like, oh, nice, funny Dana Carvey. And Dana Carvey had all these like fairly edgy comedians and he was like no you do what you want you know um and so i think that was a sketch where that he was bill happens. clinton and he had six nipples that goats licked milk from i mean it was just like i'm sure abc was like what the fuck is this 
They could have um, used some executive notes. Yeah, the, so. uh, yeah, yeah. Um, they they play a commercial in that in that special where it's like, because it, it, it was right it was right after uh, Home Improvement. Um, oh, and they would and towards the end of the show, I guess they changed the sponsor like or the name <laughs> like every week. Yeah, and so it was like a home it was a, a home improvement about. I don't know, like drugs or something like on a very special home improvement, you know, like the voice. And then it's like followed by the the super cola Dana Carvey something something extravaganza or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it, that I, I'll I'll find it for you. I think it was on Hulu. Um, it was pretty good. All right. I have Hulu. Okay. So let's talk about the accents you did for funny business. You were Uncle Marty Hancock, which was a name that I chose just for you because after the love interest in which you voiced Goliath the cock in the final epilogue, I just, I had to throw another little cock joke at you. And also I kept using Hugh Jackman gifts when I texted you about the character and mm -hmm. just imagine how delighted I was when I listened to the final files and you sounded pretty much exactly like Hugh Jackman. Was that a choice that you made or it's just uh, no, uh... marvelous? No, it's a tough accent, but it's it's very broad. You know, like it's it's hard to be a dark Australian. You know, like it's right. just a very friendly, wide yeah, uh, accent. You know, so he's that way. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day when we when uh, you sent me those best movie or whatever, and the Prestige was on there. Yeah, we shared our love of the Prestige, yeah. and I was thinking about the casting of that movie. Yeah, and how they cast like the showy like not as good magician but better performer hugh jackman right he's right. like a song and dance guy yeah and like the way more intense sacrificial christian bale yes as that you know like and i'm just like yeah that's they literally cast who they are as actors yeah he's and they're the both great I'm not, I'm not saying like one's better than the other but it's just yeah like, there's the style well, yeah, I guess do you kind of have to smile when you're doing the accent. It's like it's a very round kind of accent. Um, or well, something. I mean, there are so some of it is just there are accents that are tougher than others. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I have a pretty good ear for it and I can reproduce most things. I'm sure it wouldn't pass muster uh, with a native speaker. I've right there there've been times where I've where where native speakers have said nice things about my accent. Okay. Um but uh, there are there are things where it's just like uh, I just did a, a jock, our mutual friend yes. who's a producer. Yes. She just had me do a book in Northern Irish. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about that, actually. There was some section she asked me to whisper and and I was like, OK. And so I was in here and with Northern uh, Northern Irish like things go up at the end. Like that's part of like how you get Northern, like some of the vowels change, of course. And okay. it's not, and, and you're so close to Scott, like Scottish gets in there sometimes, mm. but everything goes up at the end. Like yeah. that's, you know, in the name of the father, like that's, that's because in Southern now, this is, this is a gross generalization. If, if you have any Irish fans, I'm sure they're like, that's fucking like that's shite. You I know, that's not, one. you know, but in general, like I can't, I can't, I cannot go by County. Like, I'm just not, I'm not good enough. I'll say that. How I'm not good you? enough to be like, well, this, uh, do you want this county or this county? Like, right. I'm just, it's just not going to happen. Um, but, but in Southern, like things fall a lot more. They go, they go down. Um, mm. And so when I was trying to whisper, I could change the vowels, but when you whisper, there's no tone. 
So right. I couldn't go up. So I had to like, I didn't really whisper because I, I knew the feeling she was trying to get. So I didn't really whisper um, because I was like, I lose too much of what he sounds like to me. Um, um, yeah. You're talking about when he's praying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's interesting. Well, so, but in general, like, what are your resources for learning a new accent? That, like, cause I just go on YouTube when I'm writing them, but like, uh, what are your actor resources? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, YouTube's great. I mean, that's just it. Like the, all those resources, when I was in grad school, there wasn't really much of that. You know, my, my teacher had CDs and, and those <laughs> things. And what? now on YouTube, you know, it's like, um, and I had, uh, uh, Kim, uh, Kim Lorraine wrote a yeah. story. I think it was her story. I don't know if she was producing. Yeah, I think she wrote, it took place in, uh, Bristol, England. And, yeah. uh, I can't reproduce it now. Cause I was like, what is, what's Bristol, England? I know. Yeah. And it's very like there, there ours are everywhere, you know, like it doesn't sound quintessential British to us. Uh -huh. Um, so I, I asked her, I was like, do you want, cause I worked on it. I was like, Oh, that's, that's hard. That's interesting. Um, and also, cause the other thing is you have to deal with the expectations of the audience. Um, you know, what are, what are we doing here? Is if, if my fealty to the accent is, is great and accurate, but if, but if everyone who listens goes like, Oh, that's weird. Then we really haven't done our jobs. Do you so, want to be accurate or do you want to be sexy? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the other thing, you know, yeah. there's, uh, you know, you asked me what my resources are. It's like, well, I've mostly done Irish and British. Um, right. Nobody's asked me for Bulgarian yet. Um, I don't know how many <laughs> Bulgarian romance heroes there are. Making a um, note. Not to cast aspersions on Bulgarians. There's no Polish heroes as far as I know. That's going to um, change. Yeah, well, who knows? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, th that's fascinating to me just as a student of, of voice and accents of like, we seem to all kind of agree on these sounds, the yeah. ones that we like out of the people and the ones we don't. Yeah. Like, we all kind and maybe some of that's just us being Americans, but there's a lot of different kinds of people in America. And we all go like, yeah, German sounds pretty precise and angry sometimes. And British <laughs> yes, people sound smarter. They just really do sound smarter. And maybe it's all because we speak a derivative of English. But mm -hmm. I don't know. That, that part's interesting to me. Well... So speaking of all the different kinds of American accents, uh, you also did Pops Brody, Joe mm -hmm. Brody, or Joe Bro, which I still haven't had anyone call him that yet, but it's happening. You're, you're trying to make it happen. It's going to happen. Joe Bro is going like to be a fetch. thing. Um, that's so Joe Bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, Stop trying to make Joe Bro happen, <laughs> it's, Kaylee. It's happen. Um, so you're going to be playing him in all three Brody Brothers walks you're their dad and you're married to Mackenzie's character mama brody and and i decided to make your character just excruciatingly handsome and sarcastic uh but i i asked uh mac attack which is a nickname that you gave her if she had a preference for what accent i give the mom character for this back before i started writing it and she was working on a book where she had an east texas accent at the time and she she said that was really fun so Mom and Pops Brody are living in East Texas, but you hadn't done a specifically East Texas accent before. And Mac Attack was supposed to help you out. So how did she do that? Did she like send you her Mama Brody files or did she have? She did. Uh, not necessarily like 
performing it, but just talking through it. Um, and okay. I got, hopefully I picked up the gist of, of oh, what you did. that is. Oh, you guys sound really good um, together. Good, good. I mean, you don't know. <laughs> like, uh, she sent me what she did. And then uh, I go off and do my thing. And then right. she was doing her thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've always had a pretty good ear. Um, and it's not like various forms of Southern I haven't done before. But it's just like, well, which one's East Texas? It's like, oh, well, the R is a little harder. But like, yeah, people go up, you know, they kind of, it's relaxed. It's pretty not relaxed. Down, you know, like, yeah, not Kentucky down here. You know, like there ain't too much twang, you know, that kind of thing. Um, right. So you just... You listen to the music and, uh, and mm. I go from there. Um, and there's, there's also a different, there's a, there's a way different um, load put on you if you're doing a whole book in an accent. You just said versus... load and whole in the same sentence. I just want to point out. <laughs> I, I'm a little disappointed there wasn't a sound effect, but all right. It sounds... It, you may now that sounds like you have minions. Like it sounds like you have your own oh, fake studio audience. That just listens to you. Like you're a, like you're a dictator of a small country. Um, again, well, I lost what I was you saying. What, you're saying. <laughs> um, what were we talking about? Oh, the oh, I'm just saying when you're playing when you're playing smaller characters, <laughs> it's much easier to to sustain an accent for a shorter amount of time than. Ah. Than to make sure because right, also smaller uh, load it changes with emotion too um right uh you know different getting emotional in different accents some serve them better than others so mm. okay well so here's something that i'm talking to all of my narrator guests about um you had done a lot of voiceover work before you finally started doing romance audiobook narrating mm -hmm. and i know that you're a very shrewd and calculated person. So did you practice reading segments of romance novels and steamy scenes before you started recording or accepting jobs? Did Ava Lucas work with you on it? Like, how did you? No. You didn't? No, no I drew on real world experience. <laughs> um, just my career before I got married and retired, you know. <laughs> It wasn't the best, but I did not know what I was doing. So. <laughs> it's all just more paints in your your kit. You know, I mean, well, at the time, I needed to develop some paints because I was like, I need a paint set, and <laughs> Mrs. Paint Set is not appearing, so, um, or she's a canvas, I guess. In this metaphor. Mrs. Paint Set. Yeah, Mrs. Can Mrs. Canvas. That's what it is. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, there there is a certain element of. <laughs> I don't know how much to give away here, but that, you know, if there's, if there's a theme in my life, everything is a sort of a system, mm -hmm. you know, it has, uh, things that work and things that don't. And I would see a lot of people doing things and kind of have a vague goal. And some of the things they were doing would, would help towards that goal. And a lot of things weren't. And I've always been, I've, I don't know why I have this skill, but, um, like, I don't think I have one, like, I'm not a great singer. I'm not a great athlete. Like hey. I wasn't born with this particular talent. My talent is uh, looking at a particular thing and going like, I, if I apply enough effort and energy, I will get good at that. Right. Um, and it may take me a lot, a lot longer. Than well, you've definitely work. gotten more comfortable with it and better as 
you went along like it's pretty easy to track that good i would i would hope so um yeah i mean it is it is something that i'm working on yeah um the feedback the feedback on that is harder obviously um you know i can (laughs) you just said harder what's that sorry you said harder i just i just made you forget again where's your where's your studio i just I just well, it wasn't big enough for a huge laugh, so you just oh gotta, man, gotta that's bump. that's that's hurtful. It's not big enough. You got oh. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I wish there was like a shorter version of that. Um. Anyways. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I understood what those scenes were supposed to do, so it's just a matter. Yeah. Of- well. Well, yeah. I mean, like you kind of have the intention of seducing the listener in a way, right? Yeah, which I don't, you know, I I don't think it's true in any other genre. Yeah. Um, where, I mean, one, the fandom of the narrator. I mean, may I guess, I, you know, I can't really speak to this because I'm not a big sci-fi narrator or mm-hmm. fantasy narrator. And maybe the fandom for the narrators is just the same as it is for romance but there does there is it does change it when a particular person voices uh, a particular author's book at least i that that's what i feel um in the community the response so i actually think that too i mean here's the thing i there are books that i've read um where i always have to take into account yeah he needs to be sexy Whereas yeah. even like always, always, and I don't know of any other book, like I wouldn't approach a sci-fi book being like, this hero needs to come off well, right. or this hero always needs to sound smart. It's like, well, actually mm-hmm. the book will tell me exactly what it needs to be. But yeah. every time I pick up a romance novel, I was like, this guy's going to need to be sexy. Always, always. I mean, I, yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a case where it's like, no, actually this is the one romance hero. It's like, he's just repugnant and then, but they still end up together it's like yeah i don't even know how that would work you know yeah so neither do i yeah um yeah it's so different from like romantic comedy movies where like seth rogan is always the hero <laughs> but um yeah, yeah so you brought this up already but i recently listened to the edited duet audio for that pam godwin no- novella that you you did for jock and it I think we can talk about it. I think because I never she know. no, you can because no, because Jock it. always she already um, she posted a teaser in oral fixation quite a while okay. ago, so people okay. know that you're doing it, so cool. it's okay. Cool. Um, so it's called Heart of Eve, and you have you have the the Irish accent the entire time, and it's all told from your character's POV. So your character is an Irish thirty two year old virgin priest. <laughs> It's mm-hmm. the end of the world, and there is zombie. Didn't even need to act. It's my life. <laughs> yeah. And you're holed up um, with the one remaining woman on Earth, who is, of course, super hot. And you basically talk Thank about God, right? Right. I, I right? mean, Thank yeah, God. Well, <laughs> you're one lucky Literally, priest. thank God. <laughs> uh, could you whisper that, please? That's right. Um, thank God. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's, it's hard. hard. That's what she said. Um, yeah, see, I don't have the sound effect. I have to say that's what she said. Uh, so you just talk about your 
your virgin priest direction the entire time. And then at the end of the book, spoiler alert, there is intercourse and you, you grunted twice. And mm -hmm. I need to know, was that actually written in there or was that an actor's choice? That was written in. How was it spelled? <laughs> oh God, I can't remember. Was it like, nah, nah, or ugh? It was, I had to or produce that twice? noise. The noise that I produced, it okay. was clear enough that it was that, you know? It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, I can't remember exactly how it was spelled, but it was All not right. like I had a range of choice. It had to be that <laughs> noise. So, okay. Well, yeah. women's brains are going to melt. So, I mean, I still, I thought it was like just kind of evil of you to do that, but like in a really, I listen, they paid me to do it. Yeah. 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 Well, they got their money's worth. Um, so I actually want to shift gears and talk about for Lucy. For a second. Oh man, wow, that's a that's, that's a pretty shift. abrupt. Yeah. So for Lucy yeah. by Jewel Jewel E. Ann, who is just a fantastic author, and you narrated the entire book yourself. And it's just it's a perfect audiobook. And it's probably really obnoxious to say this and will again make you feel very uncomfortable. But like I was so proud of you when I listened to it because I'm sure it was the most difficult audio project for you in a lot of ways. And it's kind of hard to listen to parts of it too. So that, you know, I should say there are definitely a couple of possible triggers for people. It's very, very sad, but you, you have to just trust Julianne as an author and Connor as an actor to lead you through it and out the other side, because it's just, it's so emotionally satisfying by the end of it. And towards the end of it, it actually gets um, very funny. And it's just so much about healing. And your character is like really the perfect romance hero i'm sure you're aware of that like he's just he's completely devoted to his wife and his family and also obsessed with landscaping which you kind of are too it feels like no so. no i have to take care of it it's not it's not okay. a passion project it's, it's just not. yeah it's just a chore yeah yeah all right but it's um so is that did you have like a whole week to to record that one uh, yeah, that, that one that one took a while. Um, but, it, you know, when you do it all yourself, some in, in some ways, it's easier because there's not there's not a whole lot of coordination with another person, you know, trying to right. agree on voices and choices, though. I mean, not that it's I've never worked with anyone that was all that difficult. Um, you know, people have ideas and they go, great. That sounds good to me. Um, it was a bunny rabbit. <gasps> really? I'm actually going to ask you if you have bunnies there, because any any time a bunny comes to my backyard, it's just really the greatest thing yeah, in my life. Hopping along you the grass. You have cottontails? Uh, no. They're not cottontails? Do you know what kind of rabbits you have? I have no idea. Okay. No idea. Moving on. Um. <laughs> anyway. Uh. But yeah, that that one was uh that one was emotionally hard to do though. Um. I don't dislike that. Um, yeah. There is something uh, strangely satisfying. Um, well, it must have been satisfying for you. I mean, you read it in order, right? Obviously. Mm -hmm. yes. So you're you're going on the same journey as as the listener and the reader, and it's yeah. it's it's a per it's a perfectly told story that is just yeah yeah um yeah. I mean, like I've said, I mean, it's actually. I will say that's probably come the closest um, to, I, I'm because I said this before on a podcast. Yeah. I think yeah. you were 
I think you were there of like, I'm the sous chef. Yes. I'm not eating the meal. Um, yeah. You know, um, fans ask like, how did you feel? And it's like, well, sometimes I don't, I shouldn't, you know, I'm not in it in that way because I'm trying to pay attention to like uh, my emotional level and my diction and what I'm saying mm -hmm. and like who's speaking and flipping people. And like, so that's my brain is like in the middle of doing that. So I'm not just receiving this mm -hmm. thing. Um, but that book in particular, I don't know if it was the way Jewel uh, wrote or the fact that I was doing um, everything, mm -hmm. but, uh, but that was, that was the most, that was the most journey I had um, because I wasn't, you know, when you're, when you're doing dual, you're in and out, you're in and out. Um, yeah. You're in a scene and you're talking about things that I didn't do um, because they were in uh, the female narrator section. Right. right, right. Um, you know, I've, I've read them and I know what happened, but I didn't do them. Mm -hmm. um, whereas like just about everything that was involved in the active part of this book, I, I was, I voiced. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, but I, I said that in the, in the tweet, I, I did go upstairs a lot and, and hug my, hug my kids. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, so speaking of your kids, like, what are you guys watching in the Crace household lately besides Bluey or is it just? Well, I mean, Bluey is still, Bluey and Cars <laughs> are the two. Oh, um, just two the things. first one? Uh, yeah, the first one. Yeah, we started the second one and there was way too much violence. There was tons of machine guns and stuff. We're like, what is going on? And then the third one actively made me mad with how it was bad it so was. bad, um, right? It was, it was so awful. bad. It was awful. It was, well, it was like two movies. Like, I guess the teams, they had two separate teams of people working on their own movies. And then some guy came in and was like, I'm just going to stitch the two of them together. All right. Um, it was, yeah. it literally felt like two different movies. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, I was mad and I was really proud of my kids. They stopped watching and were bored. By they the actually so, knew it was bad too. Wow. Yeah, that's, they knew. That's I mean, actually really impressive. three and he's one and they knew it was awful. So <laughs> it made like tons of it. The guy who wrote that, I'm blanking on his name, but he's like the highest paid screenwriter in Hollywood for like the past decade. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's actually quite good, but he's another one of those guys who's like very shrewd and works really hard. But yeah. anyways, but. Uh, well, you know this, that might not have been his, you know, right? It might. Like, yeah. He could have been rewritten, but I don't, I don't know, just because of his sort of stature, I, I kind of feel like it was probably. Hmm mostly him like it was that show was a mess but yeah it was um, awful i was i was it's a children's movie i was actively mad i was yeah. mad i was angry I well was like, but disney doing? movies they're not all just it's like sesame street right because they know that the parents are going to be watching it with the kids so it, it all usually it works well on different levels yeah yeah this one i loved cars i loved the first one <clears throat> oh, that was yeah. really clever and really fun yeah. I'm a little sick of it now. Uh, Hundred and two, <laughs> but not Bluey, right? But, yeah, Bluey's really cute. Really oh, I cute love show. Bluey. I can't get enough of Bluey. I played it for my 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 best friend visited. Yeah. Um I saved a little. I saved a little bit of uh, bourbon that he left uh, as a <laughs> gift before the pandemic, and you know, and now it's like I'm saving this until we can actually meet again. Right. So we came and we did a shot. <laughs> um, but I showed him one of the Bluey episodes. I was like, it is, this episode is a metaphor for the human race evolving <laughs> death in a nine minute children's show. I was like, can you believe this? And they, they were impressed. So.
Were you, so you were drunk when you were making this pronouncement is what you're telling me. Yeah, but, I, but I'm saying it now and I'm not okay. drunk, so I meant right. it. Right. Yeah. Well, but I felt it. So you were like actually acting drunk. So well done. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like you told me that The Boys on Amazon was really good the last time we talked. So I started watching it and I've, I've already blown through the first uh, season, but you failed to mention just how dark and violent and graphic it is. So I was eating dinner while that really horrific thing happens in like at the very beginning of the first episode. Oh, and yeah, it was yeah, yeah. not awesome. And it was just like another reason for me to be mad at you because you weren't you eating spaghetti, were you? You should have. I was eating something. It doesn't, it honestly doesn't matter what I was eating. I mean, but there was meat involved, you know? So, <laughs> so like everything, something disgusting happens in that. I'm like, fuck you, Connor Grace. <laughs> you should have told me. And, and yet I can't stop watching it because it's just fucking brilliant. Like it's yeah. just, it's so good. And I had no, I, I had no idea what it was going into it. Uh, I, my, my wife bought me the, the original comics like the whole collection. Oh, cool. Um, do you know, uh, so that, uh, what's his name? Simon Pegg, you know, he plays oh, yeah. the father. Yeah, of course. So he was the original inspiration for Huey, for Hugh, the, oh, okay. the hero. When he was younger, so in the comic, yeah. it looks like Simon Pegg. That makes sense. Um, because the artists were like, we, uh, Simon Pegg was in some show in 1999 that he based it on mm -hmm. the character. So mm -hmm. the, the show is like, well, we'll have Simon Pegg play the father because this is what he turns into if he doesn't take action. Oh, um, that's so. great. That's really cool. I, of yeah. course, love Huey so much. Huey and Starlight. Yeah. That's my jam. But like still, like every one of those characters, even the absolute worst ones, they just have such interesting, not necessarily redeeming qualities, but just all these layers. Well, and they're they interesting. all have their moments. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. you're like oh okay yeah. i get you yeah great so anyways i wrote i wrote a ridiculous little bonus jack iron scene for you to read and you recorded it separately and we're, we're going to listen to that in a little bit when you're gone <laughs> um I but say, i was like i don't have to be here for that I right? mean, that's why i recorded that's it that's not one of the things that you have to do in order to okay. enjoy me um, but, so Jack Irons is one of the characters that you did in the love interest and he was very popular with the ladies so I thought I'd bring him back and I really wanted him to yell at me and uh, and so I've li I've listened to your recording multiple times and it's uh it's it's one of the highlights of my sad little life I have to say like it's just it's so it's such a silly thing but you totally committed to it like as you do with all your work and it's just hilarious so thank you for that you're welcome and um but honestly like when i wrote the jack iron stuff in the love interest earlier this year it was it was super easy for me to write the parts where he was yelling at at his author the hero of the love interest so the hero of the love interest is a best-selling author of action thrillers and like a really successful series and his main character jack irons keeps commenting on the writing as he works on the novel and at that point in our friendship you were always mean to me whenever you called me on the phone. So it was like super easy for me to hear your voice in my right, head. That's saying, a mischaracterization. You're doing this wrong. I'm not going to air dirty laundry, but that's a mischaracterization of those phone calls. Is it though? It is. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't misread the email. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so much for not hearing the dirty well. laundry. But, um, okay, but you have a very deep, masculine, loud voice. And whenever you're talking to me, it feels like you're yelling at me and like you're mad at me. But that's all I'm saying. And so basically, I'm just saying, I mean, you didn't necessarily inspire the Jack Irons character, but it was very easy for me to imagine you yelling at me slash okay. Emmett. The author and like and saying, you know, you're doing this wrong and you need to change. <laughs> well, you know, when I read that section, I was like, oh, man. This this feels like it cuts too close to the bone. <laughs> Did it really? Kaylee's internal voice. <laughs> which, is, which is funny because that was actually really impressive what you did. I was like, that sounds like a real series, like a real, you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Somebody needs to write that. Um, yeah. Anyway, so but I did, in your defense, I did, I complained about you being too mean to me a couple of months ago, and then you started being nice to me, which was also annoying in a totally different way. Um, so, so I- There's I, way more to, to, to this. I'm not going to say it. more to everything. I'm not sure. going to say it, but your characterization <laughs> of all this is really leaving out a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, even the part where I was that. talking about how helpful you've been and how you inspire me and how I respect you. And All right. Let's just part. move on from this whole thing. <laughs> let's, just end this, let's just end this Zoom call right now. Yeah. Well, it's almost over. So, so I also just want to say that uh, I did an announcement about this podcast in Kayleyville a couple of days ago. and. Uh, a lovely woman named Letitia commented that Connor Crace could read the phone book and make it sound hot. So that gave me the idea to have you read a boring instruction manual or something. And then you had an even funnier idea because that's what you do. You have funnier ideas than I do. And so, uh, so you actually went and you recorded that for us because you're a perfectionist and a bit of a control freak. And I haven't listened to it yet because you just sent it to me. But, but thank you for doing that for our orgasming pleasure. You're welcome. You're, sure you're going to like it. I'm sure it's probably I don't not know about terrible. your fans, but you are going I'm to like specifically it. I'm going to like yes, it? Yes, you. Yes. Okay. All right. We'll see. So you and I have some projects coming up together that we can't talk about yet, but uh, I, I no. am going to have you back on here multiple times. Um alone and probably with other guests so you you have that to look forward to in life but cool. um is there anything that you want to talk about project wise or just in general <laughs> no no <laughs> nothing at all no um all right well you're free to go i would like it if you would try and like ask your wife what kind of bunny rabbits you have in your neighborhood because i would like to know there's zero chance she knows really i will look it up Maybe your daughter no will know. Okay. No. Oh, the fireflies are out now. The firefly. You, do you see what I'm saying, you guys? He has this perfect life. There's like bunnies and fireflies outside his window. And you're in your booth right now, right? Yep. Yep. So you're on the ground floor? Or are you like looking? Yeah, it's a, it's a walkout. So the, the backyard uh, is a full walkout. And then everything else is on the first floor. Um, Okay. Yeah. Do you have deer in New York? Yep, we have deer. Of yep. course you do. Yep. All right. Um, well, thank you 
for spreading so much joy and orgasms with me today. <laughs> Thank you, Kaylee. Is this it's awful a for you? Or it, shut up. Always a pleasure. Oh, my God. I just, it would have been nice if you could have said that with just a little more genuineness. I meant that it. a word? <laughs> okay. What are you talking about? I don't know. I guess I just, I don't recognize you when you're not yelling at me. <laughs> okay. <All right. laughs> See? He's always mad at me. Listen to you. All right. Well, we're out. <laughs> <laughs> and now here is Connor Crace reading from the very real and very boring user manual for the Sound Professionals Zoom Pro and Presonus interface, which I found online. And I cannot stress this enough. Do not drink a beverage or drive while listening to this. Please, follow these steps. 1. Download the instruction manual for the PreSonus interface here. Some of the inputs and features on the interface will not be used for Zoom. Please feel free to reference the manual as needed as you perform the following steps. 2. Download and install the universal control driver here. Insert. The male end of the quarter-inch headphone adapter into the female headphone jack on the back of the interface. The headphone input is not shown in the photo. 4. If you are using a headset headphones, insert the male end of the 12-inch extension cable into the female end of the quarter-inch headphone adapter from step 3. Insert the headphone plug from the headset headphones into the female end of the 12-inch extension cable. If you're using speakers, plug the speakers directly into the female end of the quarter-inch headphone adapter. 5. If you're using a headset, insert the microphone plug from the headset into the female end of the Boya XLR adapter. If you are using a lapel microphone, Insert the male plug from the lapel microphone into the female end of the Boya XLR adapter. 6. Align the male pins in the Boya connector with the microphone XLR connector on the interface labeled 1. And fully insert the Boya adapter into the interface. Okay, and if that wasn't enough for you, if you're still alive, here is Connor's reading of a very jacked Independence Day, a Jack Irons bonus scene for you by Kaylee Loring. Butts. Jack Irons was checking out ladies' butts while he did his bicep curls out on the boardwalk that hot 4th of July afternoon. Two pairs of heart-shaped lady butts in tight jean shorts, aces, staring right back at him as they waited in line for ice cream. Fuck, he thought to himself. Jackpot. Jack was a gambling man through and through, but he had sworn off women in tight jean shorts. He had sworn off women in general two months ago, but he had sworn off women in tight jean shorts in particular. He was far too busy to think about shorts and butts and women of any kind. He was too busy thinking about the five men he'd killed in Paris only three weeks ago, and the other five men he'd killed in Tokyo before that. He was too busy preparing for something. For what? He did not know. But he'd had a feeling deep inside his chest. Something, or someone, was coming. And Jack Irons would be ready for it, or him, or her, or them. Still, he found himself hoping for her. 
He found himself wishing he could enjoy a nice cold bottle of beer with a nice, interesting woman he could have a real conversation with. Ice cream, too, after having sex with her. Several times. This was years after Marianne had passed, and months before he'd first encountered the woman he would come to refer to as the second love of his life. Hey, can I borrow one of those? The woman who'd stopped next to him had a voice like whiskey, eyes like melted butterscotch, and lips that were unforgettable. She was referring to Jack's free weights, but Jack felt imprisoned by her intense gaze. What for? he asked calmly. I need something to keep my divorce papers from flying away, she deadpanned. Divorce papers, huh? He bent down to place the dumbbells on the ground. As he stood back up, he lowered his head, grabbed the bottom of his white-ribbed tank top, and wiped the sweat off his brow with it. If she caught a glimpse of his abs, taut and scarred, and one or both of his pecs, well, that wasn't his fault now, was it? You signed them yet? She smirked at him with those unforgettable lips, those lips that he'd been trying to forget for nearly half a year. Yes, Jack, signed and notarized. Care to celebrate my newfound freedom with me? Every cell in his body was screaming yes. Unfortunately, those screams were drowned out by the sound of people yelling and screaming on the beach, the sound of yelling and screaming and laser beams from the sky. Jack didn't have to shade his eyes when he looked up because a giant UFO was suddenly blocking the sun and cock-blocking his 4th of July celebrations. Hold on there, sassy pants. Seriously? What the shit? Fuck, 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 asshole, hack, garbage, Amazon, best-selling, steamy, rom-com writer, washed-up loser, has been. That right there was a better sentence than any of the ones you just churned out. The fuck am I even doing in a Kaylee Loring book, man? I never agree to this. This is 100% horseshit. Jack Irons doesn't do reps out on the boardwalk. Have you ever even played poker before or seen a deck of cards? Tell me, this is some kind of joke. I would never think or say or do any of this shit. Aliens? On a beach? On the 4th of July, you call that a holiday romance? Honey, you have run out of ideas. You are uninspired. It's problematic. Select all and delete. Step away from the computer, girl. Walk away from that desk. Get out of your house and into the warm summer air. Talk to an actual breathing person who doesn't live inside that dirty brain of yours. Do it for your fans. Sure, they're all assholes who want you to publish more and more books, even though they don't like novellas. But they deserve better. They expect better, even from you. Now, go on, darling. Find yourself some inspiration IRL. You remember what IRL means, don't you? Go on. Get the fuck out of here. And now, here's Emma Wilder and Teddy Hamilton. And I want to thank them for taking the time to record their answers for these listener questions. All right, it looks like we got some more questions in the Hollaback Questions. From Val Wall, who I know is having a tough time, so thinking of you, Val, and your family. Hearing you sing on Kaylee's podcast was so beautiful. What kind of sexy song would you sing at karaoke night to impress your friends, or more importantly, your love interest? Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> I don't think of myself as... Being a particularly sexy singer, um, although I do think my singing voice is a lot like my narrating voice, which is like a little 
broken and weird and raspy, but hopefully warm and expressive. Um, I don't know. I like singing not sexy songs, like things by Wilson Phillips or like a Starship or, well, maybe like Patsy Cline. That's a little more sexy. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that I would be particularly sexy at karaoke night. Unless you think singing Don't Stop Me Now by Queen is sexy, in which case, count me in. So this first one is from Michelle Sutton, who asks, besides Keaton in the plus ones who tried to spoil an adopted dog who hated him, have you ever recognized yourself in any of Kaylee's other books? You had mentioned that you sometimes experience deja vu. So, funnily enough, actually I did experience quite a bit of deja vu with Owen, uh, just because he was involved in Hollywood and stand-up, and that was something that I actually went through around the same time when I was on a television show back in like 2004, and at the same time, I was like, well, I'll try doing stand-up. So I like did stand-up for a while, and I was on a TV show, and so there was a lot of similarities going on that then made it very easy for me to perform because I sort of, I knew what place he was in his life at this time. So that's what's good about having deja vu. Louise Brown has a two-part question. Does it take longer to prepare and narrate a book in duet because you have to read every chapter to find your parts, or do you get your parts highlighted and then scan through the script? If you get your parts highlighted, do you still have to read the uh, do you still have to read the other sections to know the tone of the conversation, and does that make it harder or easier to get into character? Okay, so it shouldn't take longer because we should all be reading the whole book every time. Because how else do you know what happens unless you read the whole book? And surely, buried somewhere in one of his chapters, will be like she said in her unmistakable New Orleans accent or something. And then if you don't read that, like, you're screwed. And it's your own fault. That is on you. Um, but I, regardless of those little, like, accent and vocal quality descriptions that could be hidden in parts of the book that you're not narrating, I, I think you need to read the whole thing to see what story you're telling. And, like, where to know where you are emotionally when your section picks up like what just happened where were you um to act it you need to know what's going on um that said some publishers will highlight where your section starts just to make sure that you don't miss any um but i always read it anyway um and in terms of doing a duet book i think it's a little I think it's a little more challenging, not not longer to prepare, but maybe longer to narrate, because you're not just reading your chapter and then scrolling past his chapter because you already read it, and then reading your next chapter. You're sort of like slowly reading and checking as you go through. Um, so yeah, I think it takes a little longer. Um, and if, of course, if you record it together, it takes a lot longer because you're just in the room for the whole book. Um, but you get to be acting with someone else, so that's extra fun. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've been narrating all day. Um, but yeah, it doesn't take longer um, if you're doing it right. Does it take longer to prepare and narrate a book in duet because you have to read every chapter to find your parts? Or do you get your parts highlighted and then scan through the script? And 
if you get your parts highlighted, do you still have to read the other sections to know the tone of the conversation, and does it make it harder or easier to get into character? Uh, yes. The answer is yes, of course, and also no, not at all. Uh, it really depends per book. Uh, with Duet, I actually kind of like Duet because I don't have to do all the heavy lifting by myself. I can do it with my narrator, so... I'm going to listen to what she's doing, and she's going to listen to what I'm doing so that then we can play that off of each other. Um, it's a little easier because I don't have to create her character because she's creating her character. I just have to react to what she does. So that's kind of fun. From Michelle Sutton. One, I loved the song you sang for Kaylee. It's sweet and wonderful, and you and Teddy harmonize so well together. Thank you, Michelle. I was wondering about the recording and how many takes it took to get the final version. And also, when is your album coming out? Um, so I would love to be like, oh, I just like hopped in the booth and like threw that down. Like, yeah, I was just like, you know, I just like gave it a go. Um, but I did it a billion times. Like, <laughs> like, uh, I'm not in love with the sound of my own voice, uh, like most people aren't. And when you're doing something that you want to be good you know, it's like trying to compose the perfect voicemail to someone who you want to impress or whatever. Um, like it's embarrassing how many times they did it. And I'm not going to tell you, um, but a lot. (laughs) And also whenever I have to do a booth video, like I take like 40 of them and then most of them are just like awful. It's hard. It's hard and embarrassing uh, to look casual and at ease and likable um, and sound not insane. Okay. Oh, when is my album coming out? Uh, Never. Uh, I have the kind of voice I think that if I were already famous, I could like play a supporting role in a musical because people would be like, oh, we'd love to see. It's like if, you know, Fran Drescher plays a role in Cinderella, which I think she did. Um, everyone's like, oh, so neat. But like Fran Drescher isn't going to get a role in Cinderella unless she's already Fran Drescher. And I can like keep up, but I'm not good enough to actually do anything real. Uh, but if I change my mind, I'll keep you posted. Maybe we can do like a romance narrator's fundraiser full cast album cabaret or something sometime. (laughs) <laughs> I bet there's other people who are much better singers than me, uh, like Mackenzie Cartwright, um, and I bet she'd be into it. Uh, all right. Oh, also, like, Zach Weber's in a band. Like, there's lots of people who need to have an album before I do. Two, have you ever had to stop recording because a scene made you laugh too hard? No. I mean, not by myself. Like, If you're narrating uh, in the room with other people, of course, Uh, but if you're by yourself, like, it's like if you were telling a practicing telling a joke and you kept cracking up, but just telling it in your mirror, (laughs) like, I'll I'll crack up when I read the book through the first time, because then I'm like taking it in by it and surprised by it. Um, But no, Um, I do stop all the time. But generally, it's to swear loudly because I screwed up, (laughs) not because... Not because I'm laughing at my own performance. Although I might be laughing at how incompetent it is. (laughs) Um, But no. Uh, Well, not yet. Again, 
I'll keep you posted. All right, this last one is from Val Wall. If you had to teach in your clown school and you must dress up like a really funny clown, what kind of clown would you be? Example Ronald McDonald? No! Emmett Kelly? I don't know who Emmett Kelly is. Krusty the Clown from The Simpsons? Closer. I think when I did my clowning before, I always played an old man. It was like an old vaudevillian looking man who like had a cane and he would like, and he was also like super sweet and super nice. And we called him Marvin. Um, so like, that's, that's my clown. It's not, I don't dress up like a clown. There is an inner clown and that inner clown I allow to come out and say hello. So that's what I would say. All right. Looks like that's all for Hollaback Questions. So that's that. I hope you did not hate today's episode with Connor Crace. We have a little segment called Hollaback, where you, the listener, can write in to ask my guests questions, and we'll choose a couple of them and then have the guests answer them. Their answers will then be aired on the next episode. So if you have a question or two for narrator Connor Crace, you can email them to me at multipleeargasmskaylee at gmail.com. I'm going to spell that for you, M-U-L-T-I-P-L-E-E-A-R-G-A-S-M-S-K-A-Y-L-E-Y at gmail.com. You can email these questions up until August 19th, 2021, and we'll have Connor record his answers and then play them for you on the next episode. This is Mackenzie Cartwright, also known as the official voice of Kaylee Loring's Lady Parts. Multiple Eargasms with Kaylee Loring is produced by Elysian Nightfall Studios and The Audio Flow. To learn more about your host, you can visit www.kayleeloring.com. Thank you for eargasming.